Today on the Whatsoever Things show, Thomas's wife tries to kill him. And special guest Marcia Strickland, our very own pastor's wife, shares her story, talks about an unchanging God and changing times, and why she believes in aliens. It's another great show, so hang on. Here we go. Well, hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Whatsoever Things show, a podcast designed to stimulate your mind, tickle your funny bone, and encourage your faith. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is Episode 6 of the Whatsoever Things Show, recorded on March 1st, 2021. The Big Oak Tree. Welcome to the Whatsoever Things Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rumer, and I want to thank you on behalf of my brothers sitting across the table. That would be Thomas, Josh, and our producer, Pastor Daniel, uh, for listening to this church-oriented podcast. Today we have a special guest. Uh, We have uh, Miss Marcia Strickland with us. Miss Marcia, thank you so much for uh, being a guest on this podcast, and welcome. Well, thank you, Mike. I'm glad to be here. Uh, we generally start off with, with a sort of a little icebreaker. We, we talk about our week or something interesting which happened to us, and I think Thomas has something. Yeah, that something, something that happened on my way here that uh, I, I, I thought it would be interesting to get a, a wife's perspective because I think my wife tried to kill me. Um, I know hmm. things things got real serious about 30 minutes ago. Mm. And, Wait, uh, are you allowed to tell this story? Because <laughs> listen, I, sometimes the man's got to run his own house. Disclaimer, Miss Marcia, we try not to say people's names on this podcast. Okay. But, <laughs> unless we have their permission. If not, Pastor Daniel. So as long as you don't say your wife's name. Yes. Aaron Hickman? No, uh, yeah, you can't say that. <laughs> um, we'll have to bleep that yeah, out. Yeah, so she's, she is an amazing wife who I get off at five o'clock and I've got to drive 15 minutes home shower real quick because I've been working outside all day y'all do not want me sitting in here without a shower I promise so she makes my dinner and has it ready for me to I just grab it and I go she has she usually has my drink poured my dinner ready I just got to grab my stuff and go well today she knows I don't like mustard and so hmm. I made a short joke when I got home because she's very short. I, I think and they so call it somebody challenge. We don't want to offend people. Somebody, my wife, put a big old glob of mustard in the middle of my chicken sandwich <laughs> as I'm driving down the road. <laughs> no so of course I'm thinking my life's over. That's it. I'm watching things flash before my yeah. eyes. And I, would you do that to your husband, Miss Marsha? No. <laughs> But not not for that, (laughs) for a different reason. He has a very weak stomach, and I would have had to clean up the car later. I don't. But no, if I put something in his sandwich that he, I know he didn't like, (laughs) like mayonnaise. Thomas. It would be well, a terrible, terrible. That's not bad. I mean, oh no, I'm telling you, my life flashed. How long? How long have y'all been married now? It'd be six years on uh, Sunday. And this woman yep. fixes your um, supper and yep. fixes your drink. And, and she put just... put a little dab right in the middle. Oh, so you oh, wouldn't see it. I called her. She said she tried for a little dab, but it came <laughs> out way more than a little dab. Because I'm halfway through the sandwich, and I'm like, man, this is such a good sandwich. And then the next bite, I was like, yeah. what? See, it just that's it, not bad, though, because... In our household, I lock I lock up the rat poison and things just so she doesn't get tempted. And I'm not saying she oh, would. I'm sure but... she's tempted. I'm sure she's tempted. She doesn't know where the key is. That wasn't yeah. really a bad thing, though. I mean, it, she could have done a lot worse, I just, right? I feel like it was. Thomas, I, like it was I terrible. have got to ask you this. Would you have any gray poupons? <laughs> I don't have it on my sandwich, that's for sure. Hey, Thomas, oh, uh, you man. really got to hand it to short people. Because they can't reach us. That's, that's why. <laughs> oh man, oh, dear. Really well, we just lost people. half our listeners. Right. The short ones. Back to the reason we're here, and this is to uh, talk and pick the brain of uh, Miss Marcia Strickland. So, Miss Marcia, we what we will do when we interview people when we first, if you, we know you're going to listen to our first podcast, but we we asked each other this question: How did you end up at Oxford Assembly of God? And and that can go from a discussion on how you physically got here to Oxford <laughs> Assembly God to how you uh, got saved, your, your your story, but however yeah. you want to elaborate. So, Okay, Mike, let me tell you something that most people might not know about Oxford 
we, when we first came here, we were at the little parsonage down the road, about two blocks uh, south of here. And there was a big, big oak tree right outside the kitchen window. I mean, it was humongous oak tree with a flower bed around it. And when we came driving down 301 back then, which was a... Dirt road, right? 85? Well, no, it wasn't a dirt road, Josh, but it was a two-lane. And there were trees, big oak trees, lining both sides of the road. It was the most beautiful place I thought I'd ever been. And when we walked into the parsonage and I looked out the kitchen window, I said, this is my place. This is the place God made for me. And we had been, we pastored nine years in Lake Wales. Then we'd gone three years in Alabama. We lived in parsonages all those times. But when I got to Oxford and saw those oak trees, especially the one right outside my kitchen window, I just knew that was my confirmation. Now, my husband, that was, you know, he's with the, his talk and walk with the Lord is different. But I want a sign that means something <laughs> no, to yes, me, you yes, know, uh-huh. uh, speaks to me emotionally, not spiritually, not, not yeah. anything like that, but just an emotional moment that God gave me. And it was like that big oak tree. And I loved it. And we lived there six years. before we built our house out where we live now, which is just a a block behind the church. But that was the moment that I knew, that I knew that this was the place God had made for me. And we've been Mm -hmm. here this month will be 36 years. Oh, wow. And I still am amazed. We drove down to the, uh, over in the villages today at, um, to Lake Sumter Landing. We took a missionary couple over there. We were talking about the villages. But the thing that impressed me just driving along were the big oak trees Mm -hmm. over there. It's still gorgeous. It is the most beautiful place. And uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about we have an unchanging God, but we live in a changing world. And the changes that happened uh, in the 36 years since we came here have been incredible. When we first came here, we had to go either to Leesburg or to Ocala to shop. There were no, there was just nowhere else to go. We, the first time I said, I want to go to a mall. Well, they said, okay, well, you have to go to Leesburg. So we went to Leesburg. There was no mall. (laughs) It was 25 miles. The mall was way over almost to Eustis. And I thought, oh, my goodness, 25 miles, that's a long way. So then we came back home and I said, okay, is there a closer mall? Well, there's one in Ocala. That's the only place to shop, you know. (laughs) So we drove. And it has changed so much. The little dirt, it wasn't dirt road, but two-lane road between Oxford and 27 you could drive that uh 466 there was a blinker light at the corner of 301 and 466 sister hatcher had a grocery store down at the corner my kids would walk down to the corner to sister hatcher's grocery store it was perfectly safe there was no traffic perfectly safe and it was there were about four or five houses between here and and all the way to 27 and it was gorgeous pasture land, and uh, there were cattle. There were uh, cantaloupe fields and watermelon fields and tomato fields. That's what it all Oxford was, was a farming community. You, you said there were four or five houses between here and 27? Mm-hmm. All the way. Oh, I could probably man. point out and name to you the houses that were, were there. Yeah, that's awesome. And then they started building. And we would, I would go down 466, and there would be big dirt movers and earth mm-hmm. movers and bulldozers and everything. And the next week, there'd be a whole village there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was such a fast change and such a transition. That was a big change. And I always, uh, my husband always said uh, he wouldn't like to minister in a big city. So God just 
brought the people to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it became mm-hmm. a yeah. big populous area to us. It is a populous area. So that was a big change. The other uh, example I was thinking about when I was a little girl, I was maybe my early teens, possibly. And my dad, we always went for a Sunday afternoon drive. And one day he says, let's get on, get in the car and we're going to drive out uh, out from Haines City. We lived in uh, Winter Haven area. He said, I'm going to drive out toward Haines City. I'm going to show you something. We went for a drive, about an hour, out into the woods. There was nothing but scrub oaks, palmettos, those cabbage palmettos. It was just woods, dirt roads, little dirt lanes. He said, I've heard that there's going to be something like Disneyland, but they're going to build it here. No way. And yeah. And this year is 50-year anniversary of Disney World. So that was when it very first, the idea, you know, they started Mm -hmm. buying up the land there. And it was nothing. Should have bought some, Miss Marsha. I know, I know. It's terrible. (laughs) But then that that change was was enormous for that area. And the other thing that really uh, God brought to my mind talking about change, when we went to Israel, we went on a tour of... uh, a museum. It was a war museum, not a war museum, a Holocaust museum mm-hmm. that the Israeli people have made to memorialize the lives that were lost and the Jews that were lost in the Holocaust. And it was it's a it's a big big place. And so when we went on a tour of Israel, we went there, and we were on the bus getting ready to to leave the facility, and there were three students in the parking lot, sort of. Uh, with backpacks on, and uh, our tour guide started talking to them. turned out they were students from Germany, and they had come to Israel specifically to see that museum. And we got to talking to them, and they said that they are required from the third grade up to learn about the Holocaust Hmm. because the German people don't ever want to forget what happened and what actually they did and history, because there are some people now that say, oh, it didn't yeah, ever really denial, happen. So, well, yeah. that museum has artifacts, and it was, it was a horrible place. It was a horrible time. But those people want to remember. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that there are no new inventions or developments. Of course, we can write now what we're doing. You know, a few years ago, nobody would yeah. ever think about it. But what it does mean in general, that there's no new types of ambitions or desires of people. They've always, people have always been, had the same desires and ambition from the very beginning of time. There's always been sin from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. There's always been slavery. There's always been wars. There's always been people fighting against each other. Those things never change. There's nothing new in that. There might be new developments, technology and the industrial revolution, all that is new, but the desires of people never change, never change. And so I was thinking that one of the most important things that we need to do is to, the Bible says, to teach our children. In Deuteronomy uh, 4.9, I've got a scripture that says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your hearts as long as you live. And the Bible also talks about teaching your children things, to always walk and teach them. Sometimes I feel a very much of a failure of teaching my own children to walk the things that I look back and say, oh, I could have done this different, or I could have taught them this a different way. Because I don't think you ever can talk enough to your children about the Lord. And I don't know how you guys, I know you. I think they had a pretty good couple of parents. Um, 
And they're they're all right. <laughs> well, <laughs> you want to see a big old Casey melt? Yeah, I'm talking about moms. Yeah, yeah. moms, but yeah, yeah. yeah and then, you know, and I have a. a I was watching a, a, a preacher, or a, a he's works at a Bible college in Africa named Vodi Bachman. I've been watching some YouTube stuff on him, and 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 he's very. I don't know, Pastor Daniel, what do you? Is he Calvinistic or is he very? But he's but he's really he says that the, the, if the church is doing the biblical stuff, if if people are doing church biblically and raising your family biblically, you kind of you're, you're doing exactly what you said. You're teaching and rearing them up at home in the ways they should walk. And, and it says and, when they're old, they won't depart from it. Yes, <laughs> yes. But, so, and I and I look at that. I've got children in high school and middle school, and it's. It goes by fast. You know, it you, does. You, you it think does. you're you're talking about what happened mm-hmm. to church in Sunday mm-hmm. school and different different you know concerts coming up or it's, you you sing Christian songs with them, but you really you know you think am I really covering yeah. all the bases mm-hmm. and, I, and, I, and that's been out kind of and it's mind. more I think it's more than just giving them knowledge too. Uh, I think was it Dwight or uh, not, um, Moody? I think said if you. Uh, if you get a guy who's stealing railroad spikes or ties from a railroad and you educate him, like you said, people don't change too much. He'll learn how to steal an entire railroad company, you know? And so, <laughs> right. and, but if you, there's something that the heart changes in Christian walk, you know? And that, like, if you see your parents walking the Christian walk and you teach them, the, the heart changes. And then, like, you know, nothing's new under the sun, but there's something, mm-hmm. there's something for eternity that's passed under the sun. Um, yeah, something going along the, the lines of, of the true, you know, something I'd heard on a podcast a little while back was, if it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. And it just kind of, it, you know what I mean? It's speaking spiritually, biblically, mm-hmm. whatever, the, the desires of heart of man, whoever, that's 100% fact. You know, like you were saying, that, that we've always desired for more, you know, and the, the thing we desire for may be changing necessarily but the desire is still the same and i i I hold to uh with my work with royal rangers i read a book by s truett kathy who started chick-fil-a and you know they the chick-fil-a as a company has a very big uh they're into uh working with adoption and and in um group homes for for kids and and s truett kathy had a quote in his book that said it's it actually the book title was it's better to build boys to or, mend men. than to mend men or it's yeah. easier to build boys than to mend men and that Miss, that is so true you know and I, and I keep that in the back of my mind as i go through with dealing with my family and working with the royal rangers it's not easy sometimes so you, you, I, just thinking about that holocaust museum and how that was hammered into these kids about this is this is how this happened and this could happen again mm-hmm, and right. we need to be aware of these things and it kind of reminds me also of the old testament where they uh, Moses wrote down the Hebrew Shema hero Israel the Lord your God Lord's one he says teach this to your kids every day so every day they had to recite this over and over and over again do you think as a culture and as a church in the United States the church of the United States we're dropping the ball a little I mean, I know the the easy answer is yes, but what's going on? Do you think? Well, I know that God is unchanging. His character does not change. And the Bible in John 4, that is, says, Jesus said, God is a spirit, and you have to worship God in, in spirit and in truth. Sometimes I think that God is going to, he's looking down and saying, I've blessed you so much. What have you done with my blessings? Have you used what I have given you as a Christian nation? Is that why we're being considered a post-Christian nation now? We we didn't use what God gave us. Our position is so unique in history. There is no other country, there's no other place that has been given what we've been mm-hmm. given. And how have we failed to use what God has given us, the blessings he's given us to reach the nations? Because God is not, he is a spirit. And all the things that we use, like what we're using tonight and the uh, 
live streams and the YouTubes and everything, all the ways that we have to get the word out. What are we really, really doing to sacrifice? And I'm big on saying that we, we don't sacrifice nearly enough because if what you give doesn't hurt you, you're not giving enough. I don't like that saying. Yeah, I know, but, uh, but it's, it's the thank truth. Thank you for being here and good night. <laughs> you're going to cut me off right there. I know. But truly, truly, if what you give is not, it can't be a sacrifice. That's the, what the word sacrifice means. Mm. It's giving up something. And mm. what have we given up as personal Christians in our personal walk? What have we given up as Americans? I know we've fought. Our military, of course, has have fought in wars, and we have in World War One mm-hmm. and World War Two. I don't know what Europe would be like if America had not sacrificed the way it did to help win those wars against, I believe, men of evil. Mm-hmm. But have we given personally? Has the church given personally? Are we we still asking God to give us. Hmm. He gave us his son. Uh, He gave us the ultimate. Yeah. And he made the ultimate sacrifice. But have we actually given uh, to missions? Have we gone? Have we done? Uh, I, I know my husband says I never, I'm always working. I'm always doing. But when I get home at night, I'm thinking, okay, could I have done more? Could we have raised a few more dollars for missions? Could we have, what know. could we have done? I promise you Josh does not think that when he gets home from work. <laughs> but, you know, I know God loves us, and we can just rest in Jesus, and His grace is sufficient. Now we're talking my language. Now you're, grace you're, His grace is sufficient. It's not by works that we're saved, but... I'm just wondering if we realize how much God loves us. If somebody loves you a whole lot, you want to do something for them. And it's like, you know, Thomas, Aaron's making your supper. That shows to me that this woman loves you so much that she, I mean, it takes time and effort to make supper Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So that's the way she's showing her love. Well, how do we show our love? To God, <laughs> uh, yeah. How do she we show our love to God? Into. You know. <laughs> yes, Josh. Please answer that. Uh, well, <laughs> that, there's a three-step process. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, yes. You think about, uh, you know, is is God an appointment on your calendar? You know, the church. I, I'd say this is not a sacrifice of our church, but I think it's. You could maybe look at it as a sacrifice of of, of time and brain power. But this church, Oxford Assembly of God, in order to make your individual worship and walk with God in the the appointment on your calendar, we we have a paved parking lot. We have air conditioning. We've expanded. We have nice floors. We have nice pews. Yeah. We do a video that says we're starting. We yeah. make it so comfortable, so easy, and 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 stress free to spend <laughs> some time with the Lord here. But are are we sacrificing on other uh, things and other ways that we could be putting that emphasis? You know, it's funny when you see a, a new Christian too. They're they're like they want to light the world on fire, yeah. and then guys like me, like whoa, I appreciate your enthusiasm, <laughs> bud. But uh, this is a this is a long haul we're on. You know, we gotta and, walk before we run around they're, here. They're um they're right though. I mean, they're ready to sacrifice. They're ready to do stuff. And our group is called On the Move. You know the the Sunday school group, and right. it's, it's because everybody's busy. Everybody's got baseball or, or something mm. going on, and it's like once a month we're gonna get together, we're gonna do something, and it's so hard ah. to meet. Even but get that the, once a month, even in the older days, I feel like I mean I'm only thirty five. Is that what we figured out, Thomas? <laughs> thirty five, and I can remember a slower time, <laughs> and it seems like things are really fast happening all the time. I know. When I was little, we used to live across the street from the church that I attended. It was a Baptist church, and my dad was Baptist, and so was my mom, the kind that's once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> But I went to church. I went to church from the time I was tiny. 
and uh, I would come, the ladies would come to our house, the church ladies would come, and my mom was a big quilter. She would set the quilting frames around our, in our living room, and I would play underneath. They would have what they call quilting bees. I don't know where ladies found time to do that. They (laughs) didn't work for the majority. My mom did. But for the majority, the ladies didn't work back uh, when I was small. And they would sit around and quilt quilts for the missionaries, and I would play underneath Mm -hmm. the, the frame. And that's the way I grew up. People, even people who weren't, well, like my parents, weren't what I would call spiritual at all, they still understood that missionaries were important. Yeah. And they weren't to give them. Now, my dad was the kind, well, if those hmm. people over there was meant to be saved, they'd you know, oh. be saved mm. and God would appear to them or something. But <laughs> for the most part, my whole family were Christians, and they knew that it was important to get the word out. Pastor the best Daniel, you, you look like you've heard that a number of times. Oh, if they were meant to be saved. God yeah. let them know somehow. Um, you know, I remember you saying one time, when you get to heaven, you would just want to be bored for a hundred years just yes. to see what that's like. Um, that's that's not, true. That sound bad, actually. <laughs> that's true. Well, you know, we started in the ministry when we were, my husband and I were, I was 18 and he was 19 when we got married. We worked in our local church. I worked in the nursery Lord help me. Yeah. From the time I was 14 years old, that was, that was what I did. And it was working with children, doing children's crusades, doing all that when we were young teenagers. (laughs) And then when we got into the ministry, I was different in that I, I couldn't play the piano, which pastor's wives back then were supposed to be able to play the piano. Oh, yeah. I couldn't do it, so I felt, That was you know, the second question on the interview. Uh, <laughs> How well was she at the piano? I felt so insignificant and unprepared because I was a kid. I was, not, well, when we took the first church, I was probably not even 20 yet. Wow. And here I was, a pastor's wife, and people would come to me with these strange problems and questions that I had no idea. Wow. I, I had no wow. experience that at. That's a big undertaking so I would buy, I would, I would go buy these books that said, what's the pastor's wife? You know, how to, how how to, be, do, a how to be a pastor's, pastor's wife. wife yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. You couldn't Google it, so yeah. You know, that's right. Something, though, that interesting is, like, whenever someone hires a pastor or a church hires a pastor, they expect the pastor's wife for free. And they want her to pull a lot of weight, and they want her to get everything done. And I've never heard you complain. I don't think you have to do all the stuff you do, but you do it all, and you, I've never heard you complain. If you look at, at a sign-up list for food, for whatever, the, the chili night, she the, still you, does you see her name's one of the first ones on every list. Well, to me, that's my ministry. I'm not a preacher. I she you do. No, that I will not. <laughs> but you're just neither ever. You're just a volunteer like any of us. But right. You volunteer more than I would say anybody. Well, I'm grateful to God that He's given me that platform because I don't know. I don't feel adequate to preach, or and I can teach, but that I don't think that was my major calling. But he's given me a platform to do what I can do. So you are blessed like me. My spiritual gift is helps. Right. And that, that's really there a lot of fun to have. There is a true yeah, spiritual yeah, can... gift of help and hospitality. Yeah. Now, my mom, who, like I said, was not a spiritual giant at all, but she knew how to be hospitable. When we were teenagers in our little home church, it didn't matter. We lived... Uh, about 10 miles from Southeastern University. It was Southeastern College back then, Southeastern Bible College. And we would have uh, kids, well, I'll call them kids, there were students who would come to our church, our little church, to help out. Every Sunday, my mom would not go to church, but she stayed home and she cooked elaborate meals. And she, she encouraged us to invite anybody we wanted to. 
Sometimes there were six kids, six teenagers hmm. around our table who we, you know, just bring them home from church. That takes a lot of food. And mm-hmm. they didn't get food at Southeastern back then like they do now. I mean, now they've got these wonderful cafes and restaurants. Well, back then, they even, one time, we even rioted and like did Whoa, a sit-in hold on. about the food at that Southeastern. Like it was so yes. bad. We, I think you that we rioted need to dive over into the this. food. It was well, it's like a sit-in kind of thing, you know. It was awful. We won't take it. This is a groundbreaking <laughs> podcast. We can break that there was a riot at Southeastern. But, what year was this? <laughs> well, they hated the students hated the food, and so they wouldn't eat all week, and they'd save up for the weekend, you know. <laughs> they'd come to my mama's house and we'd and my daddy who was also not a spiritual giant he said now peggy don't you feed those boys chicken they're gonna eat fried chicken the rest of their lives preachers eat fried chicken <laughs> you feed them good food so she'd no, make roast and beef roast and big you know pork hams and all kind of good stuff for them but that's no funny. fried chicken because daddy was adamant that's funny <laughs> But anyway, I've had some interesting growing up uh, kind of things like that. That Can you, although my parents weren't Christians, they were they knew how to be Christians. When I started coming to church here, it was in '93, and I was in third grade. And I remember we had this was the first church I came to where there was like church for children. <laughs> there was oh. a children's church, <laughs> and Miss Marsha was the children's teacher. And I remember we had coloring contests and the Sorry. treasure box. But it's yeah, you did it a all. Lot. It's you did it all. a lot since once, you know, Ted was, Ted Davis and I did Children's Church together. And our favorite song, Ted loved the song, uh, <laughs> I Love Jesus Better Than Ice Cream. And ice cream's very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's pretty true. funny. That's true. I like that. It was. It was one of our favorite songs back then in our little children's church. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know yeah. Ted Davis did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he was my Sunday school teacher you know, when I was younger, and I, but I never re- knew he was you know, part was, of the... He was in charge of youth for a while, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some stories behind that. We need to get Ted here to tell some of those stories. Yes, you <laughs> do. Because you weren't allowed to fight on church campus, but... If you walked across the street, Ted wouldn't notice. <laughs> he said he wouldn't notice. And so every fight happened right across the street over there. <laughs> How many fights did you get in across the street, Josh? I didn't. But uh, right. I, I may have gotten in a fight. I, I'm not going to make, we're not allowed to mention win. names, but there were some Strickland boys who kind of sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I am not surprised at that. Um, but you know, these kind of things, these stories. That's the kind of things that we need to tell. You need to tell your children and younger people because those are the, that's the history of the church. There's a, a rich history, of, a rich spiritual history at Oxford Assembly of God. It was started by a lady preacher. And uh, many, many uh, assemblies of gods were started. There was... Women were prominent in the church when when the church began, when the Assemblies of God began. It was a strong movement with women. And um, the first person here was a woman. Not for long, but for for a while. It was a lady pastor. What, I mean, just the stories that... I mean, like you said, you had lunch with the missionary. Man, the amount of missionaries I mean, you took the lunch you have <laughs> had lunch with and had over your house, and I mean, you've heard you've heard their stories, and they're I mean, they've um, their sacrif- the way they've had to sacrifice, and anything stand out? We have had probably well, we've had dozens, I might say, hundred uh, missionary families around our table through the years. We have had people who, um, they've had to, well, they leave their homes, they leave their families. Some of them have left, absolutely left their families. A lot of, it's according to what place they are in the world, but some of them have to put their children in boarding schools. Hmm. They're not allowed. The children aren't with them. They're put in boarding schools. And always, uh, through the years, I've always thought about those children, what a sacrifice it was for the parents to, to leave their children in a, in a government boarding mm-hmm. house or in an in a, uh, Assembly of God boarding house, whatever, to, 
to go hundreds of miles, maybe in Africa, into the bush country yeah. or into wild areas that the children would not be safe. Hmm. And so they had to leave them. And those kind of things, always, um, always glad. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to be a Chinese missionary. Not go to China, but be actually Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Are you good with chopsticks? Or? Well, we had one come to our church, and I thought it was just the wonder, most wonderful thing. You know, when I was little, like five years old, I wanted to be a Chinese missionary. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but when I think about the sacrifices through the years that missionaries have made, even from the beginning, New Testament times, most of the people in New Testament Christians were put to death. And what a sacrifice. And how fortunate and how precious the gospel is Mm -hmm. and how fortunate we are to hear it i mean i was thinking today there was some people uh, a a missionary one was from north dakota and one was from minneapolis i think it was i was thinking you know we live in the bible belt all i knew all my life my Mm -hmm. grandmother my grandmother my mother my great-grandmother they're all we're all bible believing people in the south what would have how blessed I am because I could have been born in New York. <laughs> I could have been born into a Jewish family or a Hindu family or a Buddhist family. And those people deserve to know the gospel just as much as I did. But what what a wonderful gift that we were given to even to know Christ, to have that opportunity from the time we were little mm-hmm. and young. And like it says, to whom much is given, much, much is required. Is required. Yeah. We were in Sunday school. We studied. We're, we started the Book of Exodus, and and Josh did such a good job of preparing oh, for that. You. And just looking at the map, you look, and it's like God could have taken them, could have led Moses to the Promised Land in a matter of months, cutting across <laughs> the sea. Right. But but he but in that they had to sacrifice. He had to to, to refine them and. And teach them. Get the, rid of the bad ones. Yes, there was a lot. You know, if you think about <laughs> Paul's it. journey mm-hmm. to Rome, you know, how many chapters does it take to go by boat? You know, we've had the storm, but I, th- I think God, you know, had led Moses. You know, met him on a mountain and really mm-hmm. refined them and to to get, teach him the laws and the way to, you know, made the trip longer, obviously, than it needed right. to be. And there was a. That was the first, you know, form of sacrifice. Great I, sacrifice in the Old Testament. I think we're all supposed to be some kind of missionaries where we are. And <laughs> nowadays, I mean, there's plenty of mission field out there. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this ain't the Bible Belt, right? No, it's right. it's it's not the Bible. I don't think it's been the Bible Belt in a long time. It's changing, <laughs> but but if you go to some some other pl- parts of the of the country of our United States, mm-hmm. you will see we have how many churches around us how many churches are right around this area we went to uh my husband's sister who passed away uh a few months ago when she was younger her her family uh her husband got a job in pennsylvania in philadelphia and she had gone to church all her life she was raised in church she was a godly woman and she tried so very hard to find a church in her neighborhood there were no churches. Hmm. There were big Catholic cathedrals on every corner. But as far as crazy. Uh, a Protestant, Bible-believing church like she was used to, mm-hmm. there was nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is in a lot of places. But we, <laughs> I've been thinking a lot today. One of the things I was thinking we were talking about to the missionary couple about how many churches were actually right around here available for people in the yeah. villages and because of the growth and everything, how many bigger churches have come. When we came to Oxford, a Catholic family would have to go to um, Bushnell, was the closest Catholic church, or Leesburg, St. Paul's in Leesburg. Now we have three Catholic churches who, at the Easter season, run over 10,000 each. And they have continually having services. This is... It is really a place where churches are really common mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to other parts that's of the country true. where I know that we are not Catholic and that's not a, a de- you know a denomination that we are part of, but there's an 
ample opportunity for those people to worship at a vibrant place. And it's the same way with almost all the other denominations. There is place there is a place for them to worship in this area. In some parts of the country, we've been on vacation many times where we would drive for we always like to go to church on Sundays no matter what. <coughs> Excuse me. We couldn't find a church. Hmm. There was no church yeah, yeah. close within the driving of where we were. Do you guys so, go to church when you're on vacation? Absolutely. I knew That's it. what she just I said, knew. Josh. You know why, Josh? <laughs> <Did she say laughs> that? I was thinking it while she was talking. I'm sorry. Cut that out, Daniel. I don't want to look like an idiot. Leave that in there, please. <laughs> Leave it in because it's it's true. Now, we we go maybe for a different reason than you would think. <laughs> oh, do some uh, spying, we would, huh? We would, we're interested in how other people worship. I mean, if you've been your own pastor for 50 years, <laughs> right, yeah. you don't have any experience of anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but I, bet we, that, I bet that'd be pretty interesting, being a, a pastor for that long, and then like, well, I don't know. Are we doing it right? Yeah. Should we go well, how do other people else? do it? What are they doing? <laughs> That's right. So that is one reason we go, and the other reasons we just... We want to find a place to worship. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's only one time that ever backfired. Yep. Yeah, this Pull is up a, a chair, This kids. is a story. Oh, my goodness. We were in uh, Tennessee, That's and we had been... Right there. <laughs> no, no. We had been to this church before. I can counter that argument. <laughs> <laughs> but we had been to this church before, so we, we knew... We had vacationed in this area before, so we knew the church. And... Um, so we, it was time to go, and I said, I don't want to go to church today. And that just shocked my husband right out of his mind because, yeah. you know, we always go to church. He said, okay. But I said, okay, we'll go. When we walked in the church, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. It was horrible. They had just asked their pastor to resign. And, oh, my goodness, it was a horrible situation. People were angry and bitter, and it was an, it was not a good situation. But normally, when we go into a church, we're welcomed. Mm-hmm. And that was just one instance of a Because they, they, they have you fill out the card. Please fill out the card. Right. Yeah. And, we, you know, and, and we have been to churches where we weren't greeted as um, as friendly you know a friendly exuberant greeting and that would be a lesson my husband would say oh you know we really need to I'm step up on our greeting step up on our fellowship mm-hmm. uh when new people come in how did it make us feel so mm-hmm. you know speaking of whippings <laughs> when we had yeah. casey in here a couple of weeks ago i told him and i i want to know how much it costs i thought I, I don't have much money casey but i would give all of it to your mama for me to watch her whoop you <laughs> how much would it cost that's what i want to know listen i gotta tell you about casey and whippings now this probably <laughs> oh, might yes, need to be yeah. edited out because <laughs> it might embarrass him to death oh please let's do it <laughs> but he He's was mr olympian he needs something to he embarrass would get him. spankings on a on a regular occasion yeah but usually it was he called them his sunday specials because he'd <laughs> invariably get in trouble on, on Sunday for getting in trouble. He gets Sunday specials. But his daddy would start to spank him. And he'd say, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. And then he'd say, if it was really bad, oh, Jesus, 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 help me. And then one day he said, oh, Holy Spirit, please help me. And his daddy just fell apart. He couldn't spank him. He said, when a child goes on, the Holy Spirit help him. He was appealing to all of them. <laughs> he just, it was hysterical. That's hilarious. That's, no spanking Didn't that he day. jump out of a car and move a vehicle? Oh my God. I mean, he didn't jump. He, Casey's life has, God has something for him special. <laughs> he was born <laughs> premature. He was six weeks premature. So he weighed four pounds. He was the ugliest little, talking about aliens. <laughs> 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 You can take that right yeah, out yeah, too, yeah, Daniel. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is the best night of my life. <laughs> he was premature, and the doctor came into my room the day after he was born that night, rub just wringing his hands. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do because it was a small hospital, like Wales, and mm. 
We didn't have, none of the big uh, neonatal units were open at the big university hospitals, so uh, he didn't know what to do. The doctor literally didn't know what to do. So the only other option was Women's Hospital in Tampa. And I'll be forever grateful, Dr. Solomon. They took him, it was, Women's Hospital is a private hospital, and we didn't have insurance. But when Case is born, I always say we put him on the credit card. We're still paying him off. <laughs> <laughs> but they took him there, and uh, he stayed in the hospital 11 days. And I sat right by his, um, they put a little stool by his little incubator thing. And I put my hand on him 21 hours out of 24 hours. The only time they would... I would leave the room is during the nurse changes. Three times they would have nurse changes during the 24 hours. I would leave the room. But I slept on a stool with my hand. The doctor says, you need to bond with him. Hmm. And somebody said, I think you overdid it. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a mama's boy. But he, he came through yeah. that, and he was never sick. We never had to take him to the doctor when he was little. He would only go to the doctor for his regular checkup. So he's never... no after effects or you know, side effects, whatever you call it, from being born premature. Still ugly. Oh, he's not either. <laughs> Pastor Daniel just said that Casey is ugly. Yeah. But we moved to Alabama. I think that was probably the first uh, first instance. But he would he would walk from his daddy's office was like a block or maybe just like next door to what they call the uh, 7-Eleven kind of store, only in Alabama it's called something different. I can't remember what it was, but something different. 6-12 or something. I don't know what it was, but anyway, he would walk over. He would leave his daddy's office, walk over, and he would go in the store. He was only like, he. we moved here when he was four, so he was little. He would get candy because the candy was right there in front about his height, you know. He'd reach in and get some candy and walk back the church and the lady had always called pastor strickland casey's been in again <laughs> so his dad he would have to get a spanking and walk all the way back and put the candy back and pay for, the, you know, pay for it so he was always getting in trouble that way but we lived about a block from the city pool and we had just moved into the parsonage there and it was this chain link fence around the backyard and i thought it was safe he couldn't get in trouble he had his little diaper on. <laughs> he was playing in the backyard, and all of a sudden, I looked up from the book I was reading, and he wasn't there. <laughs> he was just a toddler. And come to find out, the people next door had a cat that had dug a hole underneath the fence, and he'd followed the cat through the little hole in the fence. And the neighbors were all called in. We were all called, you know, I was praying. The police were there. We were try <laughs> trying to find this lost child. and. I had gone to the church, which was across a busy highway, looking for him. I had gone down to the city pool looking for him, and finally this police car drove up into our yard and held, held Casey up in his little diaper. He said, feet hot, Mama, feet hot. <laughs> <laughs> so he had been walking down a hot road with his little bare feet. That's the child you prayed for. <laughs> we prayed. And then one time we went uh, to, I didn't have a, a washing machine when we lived in Alabama, so I went to the laundromat. And I, the laundromat had a, was, um, had a, like a uh, Winn-Dixie kind of shopping area at the other end, and it had a little merry-go-round kind of thing you put a quarter in you went around and around so he always wanted to play on that so I was taking the laundry out of the dryer Robbie was right there behind me I turned around and Casey was gone so I said oh no he's gone to ride the little merry-go-round so I take off to the other end of the shopping center and he was nowhere to be found and so I went back to the laundromat went out the back door and right out the back door was the edge of a drop off of the mountain and it was covered with kutsu, which mm. was a vine kind mm -hmm. of thing that grows there and covers everything. Well, you couldn't see the drop-off, but if he had stepped right off the pavement, he would have dropped off the side of the mountain. Well, there was another policeman. We had a real <laughs> reputation with policemen. <laughs> there was another policeman with his little light going, and, and uh, ma'am, I caught him right as he was fixing to step off the side of the mountain. I said, oh, my God. 
we had to pray a lot. <laughs> and then we went to Montgomery was the biggest city close by, and there was somebody in the hospital there. So we took the church van, and we went to the hospital. It was the first time we'd gone to the hospital to visit anybody, so we didn't know where we were going. So my husband pulled in the gas station to um, get directions. And, of course, the first thing the kids do are take the seatbelts off and mm-hmm. pile out of the car, van. I said, do not get out of the van. Stay right where you are. Your daddy will be right back. We got in the van. We pulled out onto the four-lane highway, and Casey goes bopping out the door. <laughs> he fell out the van door and bounced on the road. I jumped out, grabbed him. He was screaming, crying, and this car pulled up beside my husband. He said, sir, the little boy bounced his head on the the asphalt. That explains a lot. And and Daryl said, I know, we're we're headed to the hospital now. So we were headed to the hospital. We just knew he was not a a bump, nothing. Hmm. By the time we got two blocks down the road, he had stopped crying. So we went to a football game one time with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law after all these incidents happened, and, and they, they were watching Casey. That was their, they were taking care of Casey. I've heard this story. And my sister-in-law comes. She says, Marsha, I have to apologize to you. We just thought you were just a bad parent. But <laughs> <laughs> we lost him. <laughs> It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. We've lost Casey. We can't find him anywhere. That's he's, hilarious. He's unique. So anyway, uh, I would always tell him, you know, God has something very special for you because he has rescued you from so, I mean, oh, he drunk. <laughs> yeah, one time he drunk um, cough syrup hmm. and got drunk on it. Yeah, how old was he? Well, he's a baby. We yeah. were still in Alabama. Well, all, all this stuff hey. happened in Alabama. We were... <laughs> I had given it. He had a bad cough. (laughs) I'd given him this prescription cough medicine because both of them had had a bad cough, and I was so tired and so sleepy that I set the cough syrup up on their little toy box. And the next morning, I got up and Casey was out in the yard, just staggering around, (laughs) and I took the bottle of the cough medicine bottle out, and it was almost empty. And I said, Casey, well, how much did you drink? He said, only a little, drunk a little bit. And he held his little hand, only a little bit. So we had to take him to the hospital and get his stomach pumped out. He put it up on the table and said, I want another. So he's had some real, you know, it could have been bad things. And, and God has taken care of him. So I always tell him, yeah, something special. I'm so happy right now. I know. I, I kind of feel bad, though. Cause we, we, right? He's not here to defend himself. Yeah. No, we, well, we, he need couldn't to hear, we need to hear stuff about Robbie. <laughs> he never got in that kind of situation. <laughs> Robbie, brother, you got to do something. a boring life. <laughs> uh, Thomas, do you have a question for Miss Marcia? Well, I do, but I, 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 I want to start it, but I want to let Josh kind of chime in here because Josh is the reason I have the question. I, so. Somewhere in my past, I can't remember when, but aliens came up, and you said something. I heard you say, well, if God's a creating God, why would he stop creating? I'm like, whoa. And this was a while ago when uh, Christians ain't supposed to believe in that sort of thing. You know, I'll probably get in trouble excommunicated or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I told Thomas about it. Like, you know, Ms. Marshall believes in aliens. He said, what? I have I have thought of that. He told me that, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, yeah. probably. I, and I've, I've never, never stopped it. thinking about it. Every time <laughs> I see Ms. Marsha, yep. I'm like, I, I, need to, I need to know. Well, I hope I don't get in real trouble and they don't mm-hmm. kick me out of my... Position. <laughs> position as volunteer. Yeah. yeah, that's the best thing about volunteering. You can't get fired. <laughs> I think the term maybe is different. Aliens. I don't think I would call them aliens, but I think there's other life forms because God is a creating God, and He's had eternity mm-hmm. to create. There are billions and billions and billions. When you start reading about the vastness of the universe, why not? Yeah. Why do we think we're exclusive? You know? I, I he's agree out 100%. there. He's been creating for forever, and because he's a creator, I just feel like he's creating and he's always so, created and always will. What would you, what would you say to anybody who says you know? Well, why doesn't the Bible say anything about you know other life forms why or whatever? Would it? Well, that's kind of my thing. Is you know? is we're, we're kind of given the instructions we need. 
Those are yeah. things we don't. It's sort of like none use. of our business. Yeah, it really you know, God matter. is God. Yeah. Is un- really we can't know everything about God. We wouldn't. Well, I think it's. I think it's interesting. Know everything about God. You've got different kinds of angels, and they're intelligent life forms. Oh even if it's a spiritual realm, well, there's already intelligent life that isn't human. <laughs> you know, why not yeah. physical life that's intelligent? Well, it might. Be. Are you insinuating that intelligent I'm life is human? I'm not saying there's any here. Because I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure I've met many intelligent humans, myself included. I just think that God is so awesome that we can never fathom the greatness of him and his, his creative force, his intellect. Just think, I always taught my first graders the best thing I love to teach was a unit I taught on bees. And I studied bees and studied everything I could ever find out about them. And they're the most incredible creatures. And just the little bitty insect that's so insignificant is so marvelous. And when I think about all the creation, I love mm-hmm. to watch the uh, National Geographic yeah. you know, things. Think about all the creation that God made in six days. And just the one day and two that he really was doing the animals and the you know, the plants and everything. He did all that. I don't know how long a day is hmm. because I don't, with God, Yeah, who there's knows? no time, there's yeah. no space. Mm-hmm. There's, that's something we could never fathom as humans. We can't fathom no time, no space. It's just too much for us. Our brains can't fathom it. But when someone passes away from this life i become i feel as that they my spirit will become a spirit that has no time and no space limitations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's just i believe that that when john in john 4 when when jesus said god is a spirit that's what he meant Mm -hmm. we have no limitations as a spirit and so we just can't understand all that. Our minds are just not capable yeah. of it. And the other thing that I've been studying since my eye, uh, I've had some eye, eye surgeries and eye situations. Uh, I've been studying the eye. And there is a book written by um, uh, Dr. James Pitt about the eye. He's an incredible uh, physician, but he's also an incredible Christian. He studied the eye. He's the one that came up with a lot of the uh, the laser surgery for cataracts and that kind of thing. He, he owns uh, runs St. Luke's Eye, mm-hmm. and uh, incredible man. But his whole he's got a whole book and it's really thick about the eye and how it refutes evolution, mm-hmm. the, just the structure of your eye. Yeah, and it's also incredible. And I'm thinking, you know. We can't, we just can't fathom God, and I don't think we were meant to ever be able to. Hmm. But yeah, I, I wouldn't call them aliens, but mm-hmm. I think there's, there's got to be. Well, I, I agree with you 100%, because I, I always, you know, back when Josh told me that was something that, like, it wasn't, among Christians, wasn't like a, you know, a topic, <laughs> and so Josh was like, well, Miss Marsha kind of believes in aliens, and I was like, yes, yes, I, think I, I got somebody on All my right. side. The real question, Miss Marsha, what's the government hiding? <laughs> What, what are no, they not hiding? Uh, the we're talking about hat. real uh, intelligence we here. We're not talking about the government, Josh. We're talking about <laughs> What's the last word, Miss Marsha? Some things are only one generation away from total, totally disappearing. Some spiritual things. The church is only one generation from extinction. The generation that we have in our hands. We can't go back to the past and what's going to be the future. It's in our hands. It's in your hands. My generation's quickly passing. The future of the church is in your hands in this generation. All the change doesn't make any difference. There's an unchanging God whose character never changes. But he's given us the gift of building his church. And he said he would build his church, but we're the instruments. 
Amen. So let Amen. it be. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs>